save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's go. Welcome to Citizen. Today we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, I've been working on the book, the accompanying book to this show. It's the reason I'm doing this show, aside from just being able to put out good content for people and have conversations with interesting people. One of the things I'm doing is fact finding uh, to to manicure the list of principles that we've discussed before um, to get insight from other people to get insight from you and uh, you know one of the things I've been doing is looking back through historical documents from the founders of the country and then you know um, political philosophers and and statesmen and things like that since the founding of the country to, you know, see where people's minds were, what they were thinking about. Um, One of the things we discuss quite a bit on the show is the West's proclivity to unsolved problems that have been solved already because, you know, we forget. We get so comfortable with the results of the hard work of other people that we forget about the necessity for us to work hard as well. And, you know, that's very myopic. It's, it's a big problem in the way that we approach our own governance. Uh, you've heard me quote Plato before. And, you know, it, it's, it, it really is a true statement that if you, you know, refuse to take part in your own governance and you're doomed to be ruled by fools, it, it is, uh, it's just like that. It's a, it's a power vacuum, right? People <clears throat> who, you've heard me say it a lot before, people who uh, desire power very rarely deserve it, and those who deserve it very rarely desire it. And if you watch the show with uh, myself and Andy Frisella, you'll recall us having a conversation about that, about this idea of live and let live. It sounds good in principle, but when there's bad actors out there trying to take advantage of people, it's untenable. So this is something that, um, that we're keenly focused on. One is, as I said before, flushing out the, flushing out the, the principles themselves. And, you know, one of the goals there is to make them ubiquitous. That is to say, 
applicable to every person in every possible situation. It's not just about men and adult men in America, but, you know, all people of all ages and, and genders in all circumstances, you know, just we want to reduce these down to core principles that are applicable to everybody. So the other part of that is that once we have these principles to align ourselves with these and create leaders among us, ourselves included, and to become leaders, some of us already are, <coughs> excuse me, some of us are in leadership positions. Um, some of us are not, but you know, if you listen to last Wednesday's show with Mike Glover, yeah, he made the point that most leadership, even in the military, is informal leadership. It's, you know, your buddies looking after you or, you know, the older private or specialist making sure that everybody else is doing their job. Now, this is really important because, as I've said before on the show, the, the, the fundamental basis of our country is that it's a constitutional republic. But there's an element of uh, democracy there, right? So it's super, if our, if our republic is going to be staffed, for lack of a better phrase, with the people, if it's of, for, and by the people, then the people need to be good. The people need to be prepared to both serve and lead. And I think if you look around right now, it's pretty obvious that that's not the case. So this is our goal, to establish these principles, to, to ferret out the truth, to deliver it in a way that makes sense to people, that they can absorb, that's practical, that they can apply to their lives, and then to challenge ourselves and them to be better, to be leaders to do the shit that's not getting done. So in that vein, um, I'm going to talk about one of the principles today in, in a way uh, that's kind of designed to, in, to make sure that um, all of you are able to come comment on it and give your thoughts. Uh, I guess the easiest place to do that uh, if you're an audio listener, is to go to the YouTube channel, Citizen Podcast, and, and leave it in the comments there so everybody can see it publicly and you guys can have conversations about it. But the purpose is to lay this out and, uh, uh, you know, workshop it a little bit, make sure that uh, we're all getting input and make, make sure that, you know, there's no information silos or echo chambers. So, the principle that I'm going to talk about today is I will support and defend liberty against all enemies, foreign and domestic. But before I get into that, one of the things, one of the, one of the documents that I researched a lot for this particular principle uh, was the Declaration of Independence. And the reason is because... Uh, this idea of liberty, it can be hard to pin down. Like, what exactly does it mean? Does it mean that you are able to do whatever you want, whenever you want? I guess technically that's true, but, you know, there's no action without consequence. Uh, and we've discussed before what it means to be a citizen. It is the rights and responsibilities of citizenship that define citizenry. So 
when you're trying to analyze um, a concept like liberty, I think it's important to do it in a practical way, in a way that uh, shows what is and what is not liberty, and then what it looks like for liberty to be infringed upon and what it looks like for it to be exercised. Because otherwise, you're kind of just tiptoeing around with philosophical platitudes, if that makes any sense. And the, uh, consider this the same as you would consider, um, you know, like a practical mathematics exercise, like a word problem in math. Like, okay, you know how to do basic division, but I'm going to give you this word problem so you actually have to think about it. That allows you to be able to use it properly in your environment. So if you want to take some time right now to uh, familiar, familiarize yourself with the text of, I'm going to, I'm going to break down certain parts of it, but if you want to familiarize yourself with some of the text of de the Declaration of Independence or all of it, it's pretty brief. Um, it'll take you about probably five minutes to read, um, including, you know, all the uh, additions at the end. If you want to read that now, go ahead. All right, there you go. There was your pause. So let's start with um, let's start with the uh, the the first paragraph here, and just just so you know, uh, we get the general idea of what was uh, happening. So. The unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America when in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume the powers of the earth, the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them. Uh, decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare that the causes which impel them to the separation. So this is my, this is my preamble. This, this is a good, uh, summation of the first, you know, seven or eight minutes of this show where I guess you could call it, uh, the problem statement. So, you know, as human beings who, you know, are endowed with rights, uh, by natural law, when those rights are violated by, you know, some political group or another that we are bound to, uh, it is our duty to both dissolve that union and also to declare the causes and not to do so lightly or without explaining why. I guess that's really important. <sighs> Man. It's... And one of the reasons I got into this um, today, I was planning on doing a solo episode for this week anyways, but one of the reasons I got into this is because I continue to be asked questions about national divorce and secession or whatever, or, or whatever, you know, breaking up the union looks like. I don't necessarily get romantic about the idea of having 50 states or the the word america or anything like that certainly not our federal government um and i don't think it makes sense to either i mean 
in the same way that we get heavily involved in hero worship all the time, where some people like this guy, some people like this woman, this party or that party or whatever. I'm not really interested in any of that. I'm interested in ideas. So if, you know, to you, America means something other than geography or something other than our system of government or something other than the federal government or whatever. And it instead means the ideas of individual liberty and personal entrepreneurship and things like this. Now we're having a conversation that actually matters. So I just wanted to, you know, put that out there because that's America to me. When I hear the word, when I see the flag, I think of individual liberty. I don't think of the president or a particular politician or certainly not a three-letter agency or any of that stupid bullshit. What I think about is what I think about is an idea that was formed by people who were tired of being told what to do by people who thought they were better. And that is what this is. That is what the Declaration of Independence is. So let's break down this chunk out of the first paragraph. So uh, we all know that we have unalienable rights, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. And then it goes into uh, so that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Let's stop right there. So in order to secure the natural rights that we have as human beings, we create governments and those governments derive their powers from the consent of the governed. They're not, they're not uh, aristocrats. They're not real patricians. They're not gods. They are ordinary people who we allow to run the business of our country in order to secure our rights. That is the entire point of our government is simply to secure our natural rights, not to tell us what to do, not to protect us from ourselves or any of this stupid bullshit that they've taken on, simply to ensure that we can exercise our natural rights unmolested. Continuing, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or, or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. So in the, ver in the very first federally ratified document in American history, the framers tell us that if any form of government right? Any form, including our own, becomes destructive to these ends. What ends? To secure the natural rights that we are guaranteed. Then it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government. So it's not, therefore, an extremist idea to dissolve our current system of government 
in order to reshape a new government that provides people the greatest chance at life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. There's nothing extreme about that. Far from being extremist, this is the very core of American ideology. This is the very first federally ratified document in the history of our country. The very first, right? And this idea that we've been hearing in, in, from politicians lately, from the media, that somehow demanding our government do exactly what they've been told to do, not what they tell us to do, but exactly what we've told them to do. Demanding that. And when they fail, demanding they step down or demanding that there's a system change in our government. We've been told over and over again that that's an extremist idea and you're an extremist, possibly even a semi-fascist, for believing it. Well, that's not true. It's simply not true. It's propaganda. So, a little break here because in times of great tumult like this, people get animated. Sometimes people say things they don't mean. Sometimes they speak in anger or out of frustration. I think it's really important to have a conscientious and measured response to things. Um, if you, you know, what, at no point should we seek out violence at no point should we seek out anything that's going to harm physically harm or, you know, situationally harm other people, particularly when they're innocent. So the framers, even here in this first federally ratified document, urge caution as pissed off as they are. And, you know, if you followed the idea, or I'm sorry, if you followed the, the, the happenings, I guess, uh, of the American revolution and the continental Congress and, and things that were going on there and the, the many, many grievances they had towards the British crown. It is notable here that they, the framers urge caution in the declaration of independence. So, what do they say? Prudence, indeed, will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. And accordingly, all experience, uh, all experience has shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evil, evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. So the devil you know, right? So what point? I think that this is a really point, a really good point. We shouldn't be slaves to the whims of our of our uh, emotions or uh, you know our our current state of mind. A lot of thinking, a lot of self reflection needs to go into this. And all right, folks, we're going to do a couple of advertisements so we can keep this show on the air and keep people paid. Got producers. I can't do any of this stuff, so I have to pay people to do this. Um, the first is Black Rifle Coffee. BlackRifleCoffee.com. Get 20% off your first order with the code CITIZEN. Uh, you know them. Join the back Black Rifle Coffee Club, and you will get fresh roasted freedom delivered straight to your door. 
Black Rifle Coffee is a veteran-owned and operated company that supports America's military, law enforcement, and first responders. You get premium coffee delivered once a month. Uh, choose your favorite roast. Whether you want coffee rounds, ground coffee, whole bean coffee, you choose your delivery schedule as well, anytime you like. I think they have 7, 14, 21, and 30 days, maybe 60 days as well. Members also get free shipping and access to exclusive partner discounts. So you can get 20% off your first order with the code CITIZEN. I recommend getting the uh, exclusive coffee club. Um, it's There's a separate uh, high-end uh, small batch ro uh, coffee roast once a month. Uh, you know, Panamanian geisha, some Colombians, some Ethiopians, uh, you know, whatever it is. You know, especially if you're getting started as a new coffee drinker, this is, uh, I, I think that's probably the best way to go because you're going to get exposed to a lot of good premium coffees. Um, so anyways, get 20% off your first order with the code CITIZEN by going to BlackRifleCoffee.com. Next up, Ghostbed. We all know them. Right now, Ghostbed is offering 40% off Ghostbed bundles where you get a mattress and an adjustable base for everything else. 30% off if you use the code DRINKINBROS at ghostbed.com forward slash DRINKINBROS. Get a mattress for like $25, $35 bucks a month. And they also have a 0% down or $0, 0% down financing plan for up to 60 months at five years. And it uh, also works with the discount, right? They've got the best sheets, the best pillows, the best mattresses. They've got the mattress topper. They've got the adjustable base. They have the uh, uh, weighted blanket now. Pretty much everything you're ever going to need for your bedroom suite. Go to ghostbed.com forward slash drinker bros and get those deals. Finally, better help. It is. It's, it's Suicide Prevention Awareness Month in September. It's a, an issue that hits home for all of us, right? Um, so now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. We've all got problems, man. I mean, it's especially amongst people like us. I mean, we spent the entire show today or will spend the entire show today talking about, um, you know, taking charge of our own reality, you know, being tough guys or girls, making sure that we can, you know, making sure that we all put in the most effort for ourselves, but it'd be tough to just train your brain, uh, to stay in problem solving mode when you're facing a challenge in life. You know, we, we get into these, especially again, people like us, we get into these, uh, periods where we're just like, keep your head down, keep moving, you know, it'll be okay. But you wouldn't do that if you had a flat tire, right? Better help will help you learn how to find your own solutions. Uh, and there's no better feeling than that, right? There's, there's no magic pill for any of this stuff. What a therapist really does is help you personally become a better problem solver. It's teaching a man to fish and not just giving him one, right? So we've all had plenty of personal experience in therapy. And I, I assume that most of you people, as busy as you all are, run into the same problems I do, which is that I don't have time to go somewhere, to take time out of the middle of my day to go somewhere and talk to somebody. 
but I knew I needed to. So, you know, coping mechanisms, understanding things that are going on in my head, you know, framing things and then developing some strategies to stay ahead of this stuff down the road. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, and I recommend you do if you need it, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, accessible, affordable, and entirely online. Get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey, and you can switch therapists at any time. It's telemedicine, folks. You can do it from the comfort of your own home. You can do it over uh, webcam, or you can do it just on the phone if you don't feel like being on camera. Whatever you want, these people are going to help you. So when you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can help you get there. Visit betterhelp.com slash citizen. You're going to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash citizen. We'll see here in a moment uh, towards the middle part of the document how the, the process by which the framers explained specifically why they believed it was the right thing to do to move on from the British government and form one of their own. I think that's a very important part. So all of you who ask me, who ask me when it's time to act and how to act and what to do uh, during all of these, uh, you know, moments of creeping oppression and authoritarianism, this is what you do. You write a document like this that specifically outlaw or outlines your grievances. You workshop them. You red sell them like we're doing here on the show today. You discuss them and you you review them or juxtapose them with the founding documents of the country to see if your ideas are consistent with those, right? And if you're able to do that, now you've got, now, now you have a, a, a real purpose, a real cause, right? Instead of just saying, well, I'm, I want my country back or make America great again, or this isn't how it's supposed to be or whatever the fuck. Now we've got a bulleted list. A bulleted list of the grievances of the government. Why it's wrong. Not just because we think so, but because the founding documents of America say so. And until we have something like that, there is no plan. Because it's a decentralized, loose organization of people who are just unhappy about how things are. And we've seen these types of groups before and they're not effective. Antifa, Occupy Wall Street, they're just not effective. They make a lot of noise, but they don't actually solve or change anything. And that is not what we want. So at what point do patriotic Americans consider the dissolution of one form of government for another? The framers continue quote, but went along train of abuses and usurpations, pursuing invariably the same object, invents a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, reduce them being reduce people and their rights. It is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Such has been the patient sufferance of these colonies and such is now the necessity which constrains them 
to alter their former systems of government. <clears throat> Very important here. Not only is it your duty, or I'm sorry, not only is it your right, but it is your duty, according to the framers, to throw off governments who aren't doing what they're supposed to do. So you're not an extremist for being upset when politicians and unelected bureaucrats and three-letter agencies are primarily designed to squeeze every last ounce of money and liberty out of you. No, you were correct to be angry about that. And you're correct not only to feel like you have the right to do something about it, but you're correct when you think you have a duty to do something about it as well, to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. So what are some of the complaints levied against the King of England that the framers used to justify their actions. I'm going to run through a few of them right quick and compare them to some things that are happening now. Quote, he is, uh, all the he's in, in these sentences, by the way, or all the uh, implied use uh, are the king of England, just, just so you know. He has kept among us in times of peace standing armies without the consent of our legislatures. Now, this is an interesting statement. In this statement, it's British soldiers basically acting as a police force. But I want you to imagine it this way. I want you to imagine in a system of federalism, that is when uh, states have rights and those rights usurp federal rights unless they are specifically enumerated in the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, or the other amendments. Right? The Ninth and Tenth Amendments say this specifically. But instead, American politicians leverage the FBI, the intelligence community, the IRS, against you and your home and your state without any authorization from the state. So if you're, let's say you're in uh, a red state, for example, Texas, Florida, whatever, and you're concerned, I, I can't imagine that your state legislature being red would have voted for 90,000 new IRS agents armed and in their job description expected to take American lives if necessary. And there's nothing in the constitution that says that any of this shit is okay, but the federal government has taken it upon itself to do this, not for you, but to you. If you don't consider 90,000 plus the 45,000 already IRS agents in a digital world 
who monitor all of your uh, financial activity and are now hiring armed agents to be a standing army without the consent of your legislature, then I strongly suggest you think harder about that because that's exactly what the fuck it is. Next, he has combined with others to subject us to a jurisdiction foreign to our constitution and acknowledged by our laws, giving his assent to their acts of pretended legislation. Does that sound familiar? Does it sound like executive orders? Or does it sound like the executive officer, the president, telling the executive branch to hammer people, to take their money, to put them in prison? Because that's what it sounds like to me. How about for imposing taxes on us without our consent? Does that sound familiar? For depriving us in many cases of the benefits of trial by jury, which is now a constitutionally uh, guaranteed right. How many people are still in prison without being charged for the January 6th riots? Regardless of how you might feel about their actions, they are entitled by our constitution to a quick, fair jury trial with a jury of their peers. That is the constitution. It is the primary governing document. So let's take it back for a moment. Whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it. For taking away our charters, abolishing our most valuable laws, and altering fundamentally the forms of our governments. Our system of federalism demands that federal laws be limited to those outlined in the Constitution. That is what the Ninth and Tenth Amendments are all about. The Bill of Rights, uh, the, the later amendments, and the original Constitution itself, that is the limit of federal power, according to the original documents of this country. The federal government routinely passes sweeping laws in direct violation of this. And I want to remind you that it's not just liberals or Democrats doing this. It is the same fucking Republicans that you give your time, money, attention, and loyalty to. And finally, the framers show exhaustion uh, that they've tried to be reasonable. Now, Anybody that's worked in law enforcement or anything like that, you know what exhaustion means. It means um, before you can use extraordinary measures like wiretaps or other kinds of surveillance, FISA, stuff like that, you have to show exhaustion, meaning you've tried to do it in the traditional uh, non-invasive ways. <clears throat> you've made your best effort to ensure that people's rights have been respected until it's time that you can no longer do that. You're trying to just be reasonable and be thoughtful. So the framers say, in every stage of these oppressions, we have petitioned for redress in the most humble terms. Our repeated petitions have been answered only by repeated injury, a prince whose character is thus marked by every act, which may define a tyrant, is unfit to be the ruler of a free people. I'm going to read that again. A prince whose character is thus marked 
by every act which may define a tyrant is unfit to be the ruler of a free people. Now that may sound like one man to you. It may sound like one man standing in front of a podium with Marines at his back, flags hanging like V for Vendetta with red lights on him trying to intimidate you. But it's not just one man. In this case, the tyrant is not one man, but the entirety of the federal government in its current form. And perhaps this is simply unavoidable outcome, the unavoidable outcome of any system of government. As we, we've talked about this a lot before, uh, there's no form of government that scales indefinitely, right? Because people are, are very different. And as much as you or I may like a certain form of government with certain rules, maybe that doesn't appeal to somebody else and they have you know, the same right as you do to not live under rules they don't want to live under. So the solution to that is certainly not to make government larger. No, it's to make it smaller. It is to place a Ninth and Tenth Amendment inside the Bill of Rights to ensure that people can govern themselves at the lowest possible level. So in the same way that a particular leader of government can outgrow their usefulness or efficiency because of their uh, tyranny or despotism or incompetence, systems of government can do the same. And they must be replaced with new systems. This is not about overthrowing anything, and it's damn sure not about violence. We've talked ad nauseum about this. This is about what we should expect as American citizens. It's about the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, and the core values of what America is supposed to be. I want you to listen very closely to this. We are not the traitors for demanding more, for demanding our American birthright. We are not extremists. They are the traitors for robbing us of this pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness for their own political, egotistical, and monetary gain. So it is not you that is at fault here by simply having the temerity to demand people do what they're fucking supposed to, to do their fucking job without encroaching on your liberty. No, that doesn't make you selfish. It doesn't make you an extremist. It doesn't make you semi-fucking fascist. It makes you a goddamn American. Period. So, that's the Declaration of Independence breakdown that I did for this particular chapter of the book that I will support and defend liberty against all enemies, foreign and domestic. For the second half of this show, I want to do, I'm going to read some of the paragraphs um, that I've written so far for this chapter in the book. Um, going to crowdsource these ideas, put them out there, let you guys reflect on them, comment on them. I appreciate your uh, 
appreciate you listening and I appreciate you commenting on this stuff so we can, you know, refine these ideas further and further until we get to, you know, something resembling the truth. So here are some um, excerpts from the book. I will support and defend liberty against all enemies, foreign and domestic. These words are taken from every oath of enlistment from the U.S. military to assuming political office to becoming a first responder. I have taken the liberty of changing the duty to, de- uh, to defend the Constitution to defending liberty itself as the United States is not the only country currently in peril. And if you recall, when the United States first became a country, it wasn't on our own. We had help from other countries. And as we better ourselves here in America, the time will come that we will need to help others as well. Looking at you, Canada. In its original form, uh, this is an appeal directly to the founding document of the United States, the Constitution. Notice that this statement does not beckon the reader to pledge allegiance to any political ideology or party, nor does it suggest blind allegiance to the country itself, what some might call quote-unquote patriotism. This demand, this demand that those who take the oath hold the Constitution and liberty as the highest law of the land, not a person, not a political party, the Constitution and liberty. America, in this sense, is not simply a geographical location. It is not Congress, the White House, the military, or any other state institution. America is not our economy, our wealth. It's not something you can hold in your hand. And it's not something you can see with your eyes. America is the idea that individual liberty is the most important thing on this earth. As such, we must examine the purpose of the Constitution. What is the purpose of any Constitution or formal governing document? These words on paper do not bestow upon us any rights. They simply articulate and enshrine our basic natural rights in a formal manner. And in the American Constitution, the rights enumerated are quite clear. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And among these, liberty is greatest. This must be our compass. No team fighting against each other can possibly win. We must organize ourselves under the umbrella of liberty, the most basic human right, and accept the responsibilities required of us to ensure liberty not simply for us or for right now but for all mankind and always. The interesting thing about the oath to the Constitution for me is the bifurcation between offense and defense and then between external and internal threats. The oath suggests its followers should both support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. This is a broad statement intentionally designed to remove institutional power from the state and apply it to the principles outlined in the Constitution. It is a weapon that all mankind inside of the United States can use to defend themselves against oppressive governments. And it serves as a lesson for all of our pursuits towards liberty. It is liberty, not any particular leader or ideology, that is our foundation. 
And when that foundation comes under attack, revolution becomes a responsibility and not merely a right. This revolution is a little more than adjusting your steering wheel when you drive off the road too sharp of a correction and you'll flip the car over or you'll run into another car. Too little of a correction and you'll die in a ditch. We now require a measured adjustment to our society, to our country. One that's wary of the overcorrections we've made of late. When a pendulum swings too fast, it moves too far in either direction and it creates instability and it moves for too long, delaying the process of achieving the equilibrium required in a stable society. Western society has lost any concept of patience and reason. But this much is true. The most important time to be calm and reasonable is when no one else is. And now I'm going to break down a little bit of the concept of support and defend. And at a later date, we'll come back and talk about internal and external threats or all enemies, foreign and domestic. So let's analyze the first half of the statement. We are meant to both support and defend the Constitution against all enemies. And to me, this reads as the sword and the shield, which are the common pillars of defense. Um, so what does it mean to support the Constitution, to support liberty? In short, supporting these things means living our lives in a way that honors them while demanding the same of those around us. All the rights we are afforded by the sacrifices of warriors and statesmen of the past must be extended to every single American in every avenue of their lives. That's the thing about liberty. It only exists if it exists for everyone and at all times. Rights do not exist unless we collectively ensure they exist for everyone. Otherwise, we're just in a feudalistic aristocracy with more people. If there are any groups of people that are oppressed, then we've, we've simply failed. If you care about liberty, right, for yourself, then you have to care about it for every single motherfucker out there. Now, that's a lofty goal. Uh, but it should always be the true north for anyone who's intent on honoring the Constitution and honoring liberty. So here we find the call to action regarding uh, the support uh, section of this statement. You must hold the standard and expect the same of everyone else. Do not allow yourself to be the weak link, coasting on others' merits, profiting from their effort, and trading on their honor without contributing. You want to be an asset and not a liability. It's really that simple. You must hold others to the standard as well and not allow weakness, complacency, and selfishness to persist unchallenged in your presence. It's going to require some difficult conversations from time to time. It will require some interactions that are going to possibly have some blowback. Maybe, you know, somebody's mad at you for a while. Maybe they think this or that of you, but... I, I would I would say the sacrifice is worth it to ensure liberty. So it must be stated that 
empires fall because of internal threats, not external threats. Typically it's not like Rome didn't get conquered by some other, some other entity. It's self-destructed and America is not being conquered by anybody right now either. We are self-destructing. As a matter of fact, the entire West is self-destructing. Malicious threats, complacent threats, idea silo threats, incompetency threats, collusion with foreign powers as a threat, self-interest, all of these things. These internal threats are cancer to an empire. All the same, it's quite a bit easier to get angry and throw punches than it is to sit down with people you disagree with and hammer out compromises. Do the hard thing. Do the hard thing. It's in pretty much every religious or philosophical text that's ever existed. If you want results, it's going to cost you a little bit of pain. But in the event you can't compromise, finding solutions uh, that benefit both parties, right, is a good idea. For example, federalism, where, hey, most states... If we have 50 states, they're probably not all going to agree on everything. So why don't we just let each state handle things? Oh, that's a good idea. That's a great idea. Why don't we do that? Well, that's a good question. Why don't we do that? Because that's the law of the goddamn land here. The alternative is civil discord, violence, and war. And in this scenario, uh, it, it essentially amounts especially lately to a bunch of toddlers just throwing tantrums because they don't get their way. And we cannot survive if this shit continues. There's no way. We're in a game of tug of war and everybody's pulling in a different direction so nothing ever gets done. So the support element of support and defend is to me this is the sword this is the active part this is the part where you go have these difficult conversations it's the part where you take a stand and allow yourself to be quote unquote canceled or whatever the fuck people say these days that principle that you're standing on means more than anything more than your ability to stand even because there's more people than just you standing there. And anytime you kneel, right, the weight gets uh, stronger for everybody else. You should be an asset and not a liability. So defend the shield. How do we defend against this stuff? Well, one, sunlight. Sunlight's the best disinfectant. Simply having these conversations in public Uh the school board things that went down in Loudoun County, Virginia. I know some people who live there, actually some parents of children who go to school there. It's easy to, um, confuse, uh, defense with just holding your ground and standing there and, you know, fortifying your position or whatever. But, what we've seen in public education in America lately is that defense 
requires that you show up and participate as well. And it's getting wild out there, folks. They're teaching your kids a lot of weird shit. A lot of weird shit. It's... I don't understand what the purpose is, but frankly, I don't really care either. Um, If you're going to teach 70% of kids that they're intrinsically evil because of their genealogy or the color of their skin, uh, I'm not going to be on board with that. If you're going to teach kids that there's, uh, teach children all these weird sexual and gender ideas that one are not scientifically, uh, uh, there's no scientific consensus on this stuff. People like to pretend that these things have been decided upon, but that's not true. These are just random ass ideas that a, a, a small group of people believe. Even by the way, only 25% of Democrats believe this stuff. If that there's a, a poll that just came out last week that says exactly that. So this idea of defense and just, you know, being static, standing in one place. That's not what it is, right? If, if you're coming, if you come from a military background, you know what an OP is, an observation point, LPOP. Um, we have scouts, you know what I mean? Even, even when we are on a base and defensive posture, we still run patrols, right? We have scouts that go out and make sure there's no enemy out there. We do patrols if there's local towns nearby to make sure that you know, uh, uh, a force isn't, isn't rising to come attack us. And this is what it means to defend. So what does that mean for patriots in America, people who are aligned specifically with the constitution, the ideas of liberty? Well, it means seeking out. It means seeking out uh, opportunities to defend liberty. That's what defense is. It's standing your post and being on the lookout for opportunities to defend against this bullshit. Now, there's obvious ways to do that now. The Loudoun school board stuff and school boards across America, by the way, that's one way to do it. Another way to do it is to resist stupid ass laws, to resist stupid ass taxes, right? To dump some tea in the harbor from time to time. That's not an offensive event. That's defense, folks. So when we talk about supporting and defending the Constitution, I really want you to think of it in these terms. These These action verbs we use when we're talking about support, when we're talking about the sword, we have to be using action verbs to talk about defending as well. To stand between the oppressed and the oppressor. That's an action that you're taking. You're not sitting there waiting for something to happen. It's not reactionary, right? You're proactive and seeking these things out. And, you know, we've waited a long time to come to some of these conclusions, unfortunately, when it was other people who were being subjugated, who were being fucked with, 
by institutional power, we didn't do enough to stop it. And now institutional power is the norm. It is the governing body uh, of, of our country now is, uh, is this idea that the federal government and politicians and unelected bureaucrats are somehow in charge of us. Fuck that. We are in charge of us and we are also in charge of them. And one of my, uh, one of my first sergeants back in the day told me something and it's always stuck with me. It's not what you expect that will happen. It's what you inspect that will happen. So what does that mean? It means if you just hope for the best, if you just hope that everybody's following the rules all the time, even in a very disciplined organization like the military or the 82nd Airborne, which is where I was, if that is your idea of leadership, then you're going to fail. Your leadership qualities are non-existent if you simply expect things to happen. So you inspect. This is your best line of defense against uh, institutional failures to inspect things, to make sure that they're operating the way they're supposed to. To me, that is the uh, defensive part. In the United States Infantry, our model is follow me. So I want to bring this up now. It isn't do what I say, not what I do. It's follow me in all fucking capital letters. So your first responsibility as a human being is to live a life worth emulating and to be a standard under which confused, ignorant, scared, lost, and hopeless people can find strength. Right? So when you're thinking about what it means to defend the Constitution, the very first thing it means is that you personally are living a life that honors that Constitution, that honors liberty, Right, You're not letting people push you around and tell you what to fucking do. And if you're one of our younger folks, you know, how can, you know, a 15-year-old high school freshman or however old they are set, set the standard? It's really simple, right? We see it every day in athletics. Children who have no discernible leadership skills or training still on a daily basis throughout, you know, the world really. Lead by example. This often happens without leadership even, without the leader even knowing it. Meaning the per, like the kid becomes a leader without, without ever recognizing what they're actually doing. And the fact is when people don't know what to do, they look to their peers. And just like inoculation, when a critical mass of leadership or absence of leadership is present, then the group will adjust accordingly for the better or for the worse. And lately it's been for worse. There's been an absence of leadership. Absence, an absence of leadership in the Liberty Department. We have failed to exercise our Liberty muscle. And it has become atrophied. So people think, oh, it's just a lockdown. It's just a mask. It's just forced vaccination. It's just, it's just, it's just. Well, fuck that. No revolution, no civil war. Just setting an example for those around you and empowering them to do the same. I'm telling you, any of you that have been in a military unit or even in like stressful office situations, you know this. Psychology is more contagious than any disease. 
And we are going to win or lose based on how we approach that reality. So that's just uh, like the first couple of paragraphs from that chapter. We don't have time to get into all of it today. I just want to give you a little, you know, a brief summation of the first half of the bifurcation of the oath of enlistment to support and defend the constitution or in our case, support and defend liberty and specifically what that means. So here's what you can do for me. You can go into the comments on YouTube specifically and tell me one, uh, you know, your thoughts on the breakdown of the declaration of independence. Um, and some of the ideas we shared there. And then you can go into the second half of the show and tell me your thoughts on our breakdown of the idea of supporting and defending the Constitution or supporting and defending liberty and what that means to you, what it means to you to support, what it means to you to defend, and what it means to you to be a leader in all of these things. And that we, we really appreciate it. Again, this is a journey that I've been on for a while. Uh, you know, I just, I, I've said it before. I think I said it in the opening episode, but I just got sick of everybody doing nothing but bitching all the time and nothing ever actually getting done. No, no positive progress ever being made. It was driving me crazy. It still drives me crazy today when I see people whose entire identities are wrapped up and either bitching about what's going on and trying to get clout or followers or likes and clicks for that, or people who are trying to monetize all the suffering of other people in our country instead of actually contributing to the idea of promoting liberty for everyone. This is a challenge for everybody. I'm not telling you to get off Twitter or get off social media. What I'm telling you to do is use it for positive reasons. There's no, there's nothing negative intrinsically about pointing out shit that's fucked up, but for everything you point out that's fucked up, there should be an accompanying solution to that problem. And that solution should be action verbs that empower actual human beings in America to, you know, right the ship. What you can do as an individual and what we can do as small groups to make things better and not just better, but make them exactly what they were meant to be when the framers wrote these really important documents. So I appreciate you listening today. This has been Citizen. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information,
information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.